Welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Ivy Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who've been there. Let's get started. I met Robbie several years ago because he and my dad are in a Bible study together. And my dad said he was going to go to this Pierce softball tournament and asked if my son Warren and I wanted to go. And frankly, we went because we didn't have much else going on. But I did think sort of random that my dad was going to go to this softball game. <laughs> and so we show up to the softball game and my dad was sitting next to Robbie and his wife, Corel. And I remember thinking, whoa. Robbie literally knows everyone. He like says hi to everyone and he and his wife are just so delightful. And at some point during the game, I figured out this was actually a softball tournament in memory of their daughter who passed away in 2006 when she was 16 years old. And since then, I have heard pieces of their story through my dad and some friends of mine who were at Pierce around that time. But this is the first time I heard the entire story from them. And I just don't have adequate words to describe the beauty you're about to hear. This is a story I will remember for the rest of my life. And I have a feeling you will too. Okay, so y'all talk to me about when you first had kids and the journey to, to get to that. We waited nine years to have kids, Mm -hmm. and I I think the reason we did that was because I was raised by a single mother and, you know, knew the struggles, and so I was like, I wanted to be able to provide everything that my kids would need when I had kids. Yeah. Yeah. So we waited nine years, and um, then I had Sean, and then three years, five months later, I had Caitlin, and... um, yeah, I was a career woman. I was the supporter of the family at the time. And um, I was one of those going, you know, I was one of the women on the airplane going, can't you make that kid be quiet? I was, <laughs> I didn't have that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I really kind of, well, I was 33 before I had my first child. So, yeah. you know, I was kind of like, um, I hope I have this motherly instinct anyway. And and that too was like, boom, got pregnant. And I was like, I can remember the doctor saying, you're pregnant. And I remembered question, are you sure? How? What? Right. what? Right. You know, and he's like, is this not a good thing? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, but of course it was wonderful, yeah. you know, and then. Um, had my boy, and then I wanted a girl really, really bad. Yeah. So, um, gosh, I did everything any book said to try to have a girl. No way. I And it worked. Well, I took my temperature every morning before I got out of bed for six months. No. I uh, hated the color pink, wore pink all the time. You know, I did everything. And yeah. then I had my girl. Okay. Wow. And, Ravi, you had a, you were, had a pool business I mean, that was pretty bit, flexible. Very flexible, but uh, yeah, I've been basically my entire adult life uh, in the pool business mm-hmm. and uh, by myself. I work for myself. Yeah. So I've never had a corporate job like she had, so I was much more flexible. And uh, when our kids were growing up, the sports, soccer, baseball, whatever it was, 
I was always there to take them and do, and we both would go for games and stuff like that. But kind of the everyday stuff, I was I was more flexible. Yeah. So I could take them and pick them up and all that kind of stuff. And and then at their little preschool or Montessori school, you were. Yes. You were. I was the room mother at the school, <laughs> and I was a uh, president of the men's club and meetings and and all that. And you know, it's. My mouth never stops. So if I have a gathering, I will talk to these people and all that. Plus her perks of her job, we had candy. Well, who doesn't (laughs) like candy? I mean, M&M Mars Candy Company makes some really good products. And I would bring candy up there and everybody just run to me and whatever. But uh, it was, we had fun with that. And so then when they were how old, Corelle, you were like, I am not. Uh, Well, uh, Caitlin... Was there first grade, second grade, and Sean's last year was fifth grade in the private school. Mm-hmm. Um, there just came a time when uh, my mother was very ill. We'd moved her in to live with us, and I had the two small children in elementary, yeah. and I was traveling all the time. And there just came a time where I was stressed to the max, and I, and then I noticed, you know. Robbie was having a lot of fun, but the kids weren't really getting an education, and it wasn't being, you know, helped at home. So I just really, really. But even on that, I can honestly say for years God was tapping me on the shoulder going, Mm -hmm. you need to quit. And I'm going, there's no way I can't quit because blah, 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 blah. And you go, you need to quit. Well, I can't quit. There's no way because, and and it took me a couple of years, but then I finally said, okay, it's it's got to happen. Yeah. So I quit my job. And, you know, I thought when I did that, I was like, okay, we're going to have to um, put, definitely pull them out of private school. We'll probably have to sell our house. We'll have to yeah. do lots of life changes. Yeah. And I was prepared to do that. And you were too, Robbie? No. no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So how did that play out? This was, this was a real change in life for me. <laughs> That I would have to be the provider and work all the time. Yeah. I've never worked all the time. But yeah. anyway, it was a, a new chapter for me to be responsible, which hardly do that now, but whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a new chapter. Back in those days, elementary, what was y'all's family's focus on Jesus? Mine was interesting. I was raised, I remember going to church as a child, um, and my mother was one of four girls, and I can remember all my aunts being very, very religious and talking about God and going to church and all this. And I I guess at the time I, did, I questioned it, but I didn't really understand. My mother, when I was in elementary, junior high, you know, high school, whatever, my mother would take me to church. I remember she would take me to church and bring me and pick me up and bring me home. I remember confirmation in sixth grade and doing all that, and she would bring me home, but my mother never went to church. So when we had kids, I was going to say, Caitlin was about, I know, Caitlin was three. I was like, okay, we're a family, and families are supposed to go to church Mm because children need to be raised in the church. So we joined a church, mm-hmm. and 
it was back, well, I don't know, at that time, Robbie didn't go to church, Robbie, uh-huh. and he would not go to church. He'd go on Christmas or Easter or whatever, right, yeah. but he would not go every Sunday. And so, um, you know, to be in a Sunday school class, everybody in the Sunday school class was a husband-wife. So I was kind of an oddball out there, so I was like, okay, so I signed up to be a Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. So... That's Caitlin and I would go to church every Sunday, and I would teach. I've taught every age. I've taught, you know, uh, what do you call it, sixth grade when they do the confirmation class. Mm-hmm. Yes. Taught uh, that we did the NYF for the junior high. I mean, you know, we were there, and I taught, and Caitlin and I went to church every Sunday, and Robbie and Sean did not. Yeah. Why didn't you, Robbie? I just didn't think it was necessary. Yeah. I mean, at that point in my life, I believed in God, and I thought I was a good person, but I was talking about it today. Looking back on it, I was very lazy, mm-hmm. and my spiritual needs were—I had everything. Yeah. Physical, material things. Yeah. So I just didn't need anything. Yeah. And uh, at that point in my life, I was—I—I— I, said a prayer every once in a while. I believed in God. I did all those things, but it was just another something. It right. wasn't a primary focus of my life at all. Right. Wasn't, it was Caitlin the one that kind of like, when did she really start to focus on Jesus? Would you say when it was going to church or would you say it was later in high school? Well, it was like so many parents. I can specifically remember in the sixth grade, I was driving, she and her friends, and I had the message on on the radio, and it was all Christian music. And I can remember she got in the car with her friends, and the, mu- you know, the music started, and she turned, she goes, my mother listens to this music all the time, or something really, you know, <laughs> something like that. Well, the next thing I know is they're singing the words to the song, yes, you know? Yes. So I knew, you know, she was there, I knew, and then the fact that she like to go to church and do all those things in my mind. I, you know, I, I thought because we went to church and that she was a Christian. Yeah. But I think, um, I mean, uh, Sean didn't do Young Life. And he was at a point where one summer he was testing us and I was like, oh my gosh. And I made him go to Young Life camp. Right. Which I thought, you know, he came back best week of my life. Well, really, you know, best week of his life, I guess his was because there were girls and bathing suits and swimming and all that. And, you know, that was the best week of his life. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But he came back and he refused to go to the Young Life meetings because he said they're all the kids that went were a bunch of hypocrites. Mm. So he still didn't go to church. And even though he went to camp, he still didn't do Young Life. Yeah. Whereas Caitlin couldn't wait to go to Young Life camp. I wonder why that was. Caitlin was very social. Sean was not. Okay. That's the, yeah, she's like a social opportunity. If there's a party, she would stand in the middle of the room and say, come on, let's let's, let's make this happen. Where Sean would be on the perimeter, maybe after some time, would work to the edge of the room, but never... Never to the front. Right. Which is okay. too different in our kids because Sean was our oldest, and we're both so outgoing. We kind of look, you know, we're like, who is this boy? Yeah. You know, he's yeah, yeah. not like either one of us. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Caitlin was very much like us. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so Caitlin was excited to go to Young Life Camp. Mm-hmm. This was her she, first year of high school? or This is back when sophomores were the first year of high school. Yes. Yes. So the summer she went to Young Life Camp was the first summer they had had freshmen in high school. So they really had a freshman class and a sophomore class go together for the first year of Young okay. Life Camp. She went after her sophomore year. Sophomore year, okay. Sophomore year. They go in the summer, so I mean. Yes. And that was, yeah, I mean, in our story, we 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 explained that. Our son being 16 years old and wandering is being very kind, but he was <laughs> testing us beyond limits, and uh, he needed more structure in his life, and we pretty much tricked him to get on the bus, and he realized he's on a bus that's going to Colorado, but it's a Christian oh. camp he's going to, and he's looking through the back window of the bus with just, this is not this is the worst, not yeah. what I want to do at all. But then the week later when we picked him up, we had to almost pull him off the bus because he had such a great yeah. time. So yeah. in comparison, she wanted to run onto the bus. She, <laughs> yeah. couldn't, she couldn't pass that up. Yeah. But uh, when she loaded up on the bus and, you know, we said goodbye and, you know, she, all our kids are beautiful, but our daughters, we think very beautiful. Yeah. And uh, she got off the bus. She just glowed. She was radiant. We knew something was different about her when she got off the bus, but we didn't know what it was. Yeah. And uh, this is difficult and this part of the story, but it was two weeks after Caitlin got back from Young Life Camp in Colorado yeah. that she passed away. Our daughter played three sports in high school, was a cheerleader, 16 years old, living life. She died from sudden cardiac arrest. She had an unknown heart condition that nobody knew about, and she was with her friends at, at Chili's, a hamburger place, uh, just sitting at a table, and all of a sudden she kind of grabbed her, her chest and Everybody thought she fainted, but she died right there. Her yeah. heart just quit beating. That darkness, that just, oh, 16-year-old child, any child, but 16-year-old and just living life to the yeah. fullest, and all of a sudden she's gone. Yeah, that was, it was just a darkness of what do we do and how do we handle this, but... uh this was in July that she passed away. In April is Caitlin's birthday. Caitlin played varsity softball. And to remember her birthday, which would have been her 17th birthday, yeah. the softball team at Pierce High School wanted to do something yeah. special. And, oh, okay. So Carell and I were standing on home plate. The girls all ran to their positions carrying balloons and released these purple balloons mm. up in the air that, on the night of her birthday. And it was... It was so powerful to watch those balloons drift off, and oh, it's so emotional, and it was yeah. hard. But that night, we had about 150 kids come to our house and swim and hang out and oh. do stuff, and our house was kind of the cool house to go to. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds like it was a fun place because of Caitlin and y'all, and yeah. But uh, Young Life came to our house in that group and found us. And invited Corell and I to go to camp the next summer. And I'm going, what? Young Life is for kids. Yeah, why would How we do go? old people get to go? <laughs> they said, no, you can go as adult guests. And I went, okay. Yeah. So the following July, we went up to Frontier Ranch in Colorado and got there on a Sunday with 
almost 500 other kids, but it's it was so emotional, but it's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's amazing to see all these kids having fun. So and, you went back to the same place that uh-huh. she went for camp? When she got off the bus, we immediately went to Walmart and had over 300 pictures developed that she had taken. She liked to take pictures. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they wanted us to go. They were inviting us to go back and see and and experience what she experienced. And, um, yeah, we went and we practically, yeah, we tried to go and redo every picture she had taken. Which stand where she's, it was, it was hard, but it was amazing. I I can't describe how amazing it was there to be around all these kids and the 14,000 foot mountains. Yeah. It's just beautiful. But it starts on Sunday and Young Life's business model is to, it's a Christian based camp. And the gospel is being presented, and it starts on Sunday. But it starts with a lot of comedy and fun, and oh yeah, theater and just craziness. Well, yeah. four hundred kids sitting in front of you, and you're seeing them all day long being kids. It's infectious to have yeah. fun with these kids. Yeah, and a little bit of a message is being presented each day. Well, it builds up to Thursday, which is the sin talk, and it's a lot more serious, but my old man ears are listening to this gospel being presented all week, all week long that had never listened before. Huh. And things that are being said are making me think. Yeah. And plus, we're so sad that Caitlin's gone. But anyway, it's it happens on Thursday. You climb a 14,000-foot mountain. Okay. Now you don't start at zero. But it's an all-day trek back and forth through the woods and up past the tree line. But in Colorado, if you were to look at a distance, the trees stop, grow- stop growing at 12,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And above that, it's just rock and snow, or if there is snow. Yeah. And we got to a point in the in the woods to where I could look up and see the tree line stop, and the mountain just kept going. But I was... I was exhausted. I couldn't go anymore. I said, I'm done. Right. And we're on a trail, and there's lots of kids, and Carell caught up to where I was. And I said, I can't go anymore. And she goes, well, you got to. I said, I'm done. I can't. <laughs> she goes, well, I got to at least try. So she went on. And Did I, Caitlin do this hike? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So everybody. Okay. It's, a, it's a deal. Yeah. So they go on, and I'm sitting in the trees by myself being pitiful. But a ways, <laughs> a ways away from me are two adults, a leader, and a camper, and they're talking. And it's wilderness. I could hear every word they were saying. And I know now this lady's name is Cindy. She said she just lost her 16-year-old son, died of cancer. And I said, oh, my gosh. So I got up from where I was, walked over to her, and I said, I'm Robbie. I said, we just lost our daughter. And we hugged as parents, and we just knew we didn't yeah. have to talk. We just knew the pain we were going through. Yeah. And we did start talking and doing how do we cope with this? And she says, well, something that really helps me out a lot is on my son's birthday is I release a balloon. I said, you're not going to believe this, but on Caitlin's birthday in April, her softball team released all these purple balloons. Yeah. Now, there were five people there to witness this. I could make this up, but there were witnesses. As <laughs> soon as I said that, a balloon drifts through the trees and comes down. Gail runs and grabs the 
the balloon what? by the ribbon, runs back to me going, Robbie, Robbie, look. It's a purple balloon. It says happy birthday on it. I I don't even come close to telling you how powerful of a moment this was. God was there. Caitlin was there telling me she's okay. But at this time in my life, I'm a mess. I'm angry with God. If there's a God, why would you yeah. take away a beautiful child like that? But I'm hearing this gospel being presented about Jesus and all this message throughout the week, and these profound things are happening. And on Saturday, the last day of camp, the man that took both our kids to camp, his name is Brian Summerall. Mm -hmm. Brian comes to camp on Thursday, and this story, we'll call it the purple balloon story, is going crazy around camp that this miracle has happened. <sighs> And he finds me, and I knew who Brian was because he took both our kids to camp, but I didn't know Brian. And he found me and starts doing one-on-ones where you just talk face-to-face -face with one person. Yeah. It's a term that Young Life mm -hmm. uses. But he starts talking to me, and I'm hearing the gospel all week long, but I've got questions because I really don't understand this, that, and the other. And he says, Robbie, is Jesus in your heart? And I said, well, I'm a pretty good guy. I go to church on Mother's yeah. Day and Easter, and I believe there's a God. He says, but is Jesus in your heart? And I said, well, I guess. He goes, if you guess, he's not there because you would know. Yeah. I said, well, Brian, I'm hearing this message. I want this to happen. Can I sign a contract? Or how do you make this happen? <laughs> yeah. He says, no, it's just a gift. I said, Brian, I don't understand that at all, but can we at least hold hands? <clears throat> and I want to say yes. So we held hands, and I said yes. And as oh, as soon as I said that, I was just covered in a, in a comfort that has, oh, it's just been so good. Yeah. But it's opened my eyes. To see how God wants us to see. Yeah. What was that week like for you, Corel? Did you make the, your way all the way up and then came back down to find Robbie? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have to laugh because when we first got there, the very first thing we did was rappel down the side of a mountain, a real mountain. And what I'd say is, well, no, 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 no. You have to climb the mountain before you rappel down the mountain. <laughs> And then the next day we rode horses. As soon as I got on my horse, it bucked me. Uh -oh. And I can remember laying there on the ground going, okay, this is going to be a harder week than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, it was really hard, really hard. Yeah. You have to realize, you know, first we're still in shock. It hadn't even quite been a year. Yeah. Um, I'm where you go on adrenaline. Yeah. Uh, you're just kind of going through the mountains. Uh, I can remember a, the Tuesday night talk when, you know, Jesus raises the girl from yeah. being dead. And yeah. I can remember, bless her heart, the lady that was with me um, trying to get, couldn't get me out of that room fast enough because I was crying and sobbing yeah. and, you know, yeah. all that. But, you know, being around the kids, there also there was a high school there, not the one she, Caitlin went to, but another high school in the neighborhood that, kids that were there knew Caitlin and oh, I knew them. Yeah. So that was kind of like being there with, um, but it was hard. And then, yeah, climbing the mountain, it was funny because I am not a helicopter mom at all, never made Caitlin call. And it was funny because when she went to camp, I was like, I want you to call me every day. You had to have a calling card. Yeah. I want you to call me every day and tell me what you did. 
And bless her heart, she would. <laughs> and I remember that Thursday when she called because she said, "I it was the hardest thing I've ever done. I was the last one up the mountain. And me being the, you know, sensitive mother that I am. Oh, Caitlin, you're exaggerating. You know, you're yeah. an athlete. You, yeah. you do all this. <clears throat> you're just exaggerating. Yeah. Um, but no, I, it, the kids were gone and a, the adult host, the, the man was with me and his wife stayed with Robbie and bless his heart. We would take three steps and stop three steps and stop. I mean, but I was bound and determined I was going to climb that mountain because right. Caitlin did it with, right. without a whole heart. Yeah. And then we got up there and he was like, okay, we need to turn around and leave before the kids come down. And I was like, are you kidding me? I haven't seen a kid this whole trip. I'm going <laughs> to sit right here until I see kids that have climbed this mountain. Yeah. So we sat there while the kids passed and then came down the mountain. So, yes, I did do it. Yeah. And uh, by the time I got down, we were one of the last. And he had... When I came down, he embraced me and was hysterically oh. sobbing. And I'm looking, you know, hugging him, but looking at him like, wait a minute, I'm the one that climbed the mountain. <laughs> what is he crying about? Yeah. And he had put the balloon in his backpack so he wouldn't take away from what I accomplished. Yeah. So on the bus ride back to camp, he's getting me a sandwich out of his backpack, and I see this purple helium balloon in his backpack, and I'm like, well, I guess everybody got one. I mean, I don't know what I thought, you know? Yeah. So it wasn't till we got back to camp and we were alone in the room that he told me what happened. And I was like, what? Yeah. It's unbelievable. So in that year, it sounds like you really felt the presence of Jesus. Like you struggled through. Oh, I was stripped Jesus. of everything. Right? And Part of my dilemma, my anger with God, part of it was suicide. If heaven's so great, I'd just soon punch out of here and go be with my daughter. Right. And I don't think I was going to do it, but those thoughts tumbled right. around in my head in my darkness, in our darkness. Right. And it was in accepting Jesus wholeheartedly, it relieved all that. I mean, it's just gone. Yeah. And we still have struggles today, sure. but it's a completely different kind of a struggle. Yeah. I and then and then we we do work with and talk to couples that have lost children. Right. And I never was angry. Uh -huh. I can't imagine that, but I never was angry mm -hmm. with God. I would say why? Right. You know, I was like, well, if I only knew why. Right. And then it took me many, many years, but, you know, many years down the road, I was like, so, okay, he gives you a reason. Would you go, oh, okay. No, mm -mm. no. So I'm like, I won't know why until I see her again. Mm -hmm. And when I see her again, it won't matter. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I was, I was never angry with God. Yeah. And then when she got, after she um, died, I found her Bible. And in my mind, like you go to church camp, you, I thought they did things in their Bible every day while they were there during the week and come to find out, no, they don't get that Bible till they stand up at say so. And then they take that Bible home. Mm. And when I found that Bible, 
I realized everything she had highlighted in that Bible, she had highlighted after she was home. Mm. That that's she was continuing to study God's word. Yeah. And on um they fill out a, a thing when they get back and the question is, what do you wish or if anything was different? And she her comment was, I wish more of my friends would have been able to experience young life camp. Mm. Wow. But she stood up at say so. It's say so I assume that's the thing at the end of the week. That- at the end of the week on Saturday night, they give all the camp, the opportunity, if you have either recommitted your life to Christ mm-hmm. or for the first time, whatever, you can you can stand up and they pass the microphone around the room of 600 kids and you say your name and where you're from and that you've committed your life to Christ. Yeah. And it wasn't until after Caitlin died that we found out she had stood up at Say So and committed her life to Christ. And I'm like to these teenage girls, don't you think? That would be something important that the parents would want to know. <laughs> and, I mean, can't you see these little 16-year-old girls going, well, she was going to tell you. Yeah. You're like, but I, I would th- want to know. I I think they more or less say, and this is the way I, I, I look at it, is, you know, okay, this is your decision. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad aren't here. Mm-hmm. This is your decision. Yeah. You know, just because mom and dad had, you know, took you to church doesn't mean you have a personal relationship sure. with God. So that's that's like, don't go home and beat mom and dad over the head or whatever. And yeah. so I think that's why she kept it quiet, because she was like, this is my relationship with God. I have my own personal relationship now. Yeah. And... um but I still wish she told me. But oh. I mean, to me that, I mean, there's, it's, it's hard when you're in it, but like now even still we go, you know, look back, there are blessings. Believe it or not, there are blessings. There are blessings that have happened. And, and I look back at what a blessing that was to know that I didn't just think in my heart that she yelled from the mountaintop. Yeah. Yeah. That I've given my life to Christ yeah. before she died. Yeah. I want to hear about what you've seen God do since then. And one of the things that I think I I want to hear specifically about is you guys have like continued to show up in the lives of like going to camp the next year and being around all people that knew her or people that were her age. Like that had to be hard. Like that had to be painful to be around that. Well, we've been led by God for that. We are... Corell and I are both very much people, people. Yeah. And uh, super active at the high school with her activities up there. And after she, Caitlin, had died, we still continued the relationship with her friends. Mm-hmm. And we were new. We didn't know where to go with that, but we were steered constantly to be around kids. And through different Doors that opened up, Young Life being a huge door, uh, sports being the other, but just being able to be around her friends, and they wanted to talk to us. Yeah. And that opened up more doors. Well, a lot of times, it's it's been many years since Caitlin has died, Yeah, but we're still on the front lines with these kids through Young Life, Mm -hmm. through the sports at uh, J.J. Pierce High School, but it's from the darkness of losing a child, we have been steered by God to 
engaged with these young teenage kids and for an old man to sit next to a 15, 16-year-old kid and they want to sit next to you mm. and engage in conversation, there's no better privilege in the world. Yeah. And Young Life is about relationships. And you don't start relationships just, here, we have a relationship. It has to be earned. And that's where our God has led us to be around these kids consistently, and we're always there because there's always a question by the freshman, why is that old man here? <laughs> and the senior, junior, senior girl, oh, that's Big Rob. He's yeah. he's he's great, you know, or whatever. You just have to keep showing up, yeah. right? And it's consistency, consistency. Yeah. And uh, we go to camp every summer. So we, do y'all go to, what does that look like? Y'all go to Young Life Club, like, or what? Clubs are okay. on Monday night. And you go every... As many Mondays as you can. Mm -hmm. oh, that's awesome. Okay. And then you go to camp every summer. Uh-huh. And we don't know which camp we're going to. I mean, there's camps all over the United States, and we've been to a bunch. But every time, every time, God has just... He uh, orchestrates where we go. We I mean, like this last year, it was already... February, I mean, February, you have yeah. to sign up for camp before Christmas and February. And somebody goes, would you like to go to camp at this camp this summer and be with these kids? And we're like, we'd love to. Yeah. So it just, you you have to be invited. I mean, yeah. you know. Um, but you also did. have to be open to go. Yeah. You know, and y'all could be no, we don't want to do that. It's too hard. That's too painful. Or we're too old or whatever, all the excuses. And you're like, nope, we're going to go. Well, God uses us. Yeah. Okay. I tell mean, me, tell me like a story of a way that he's uh, worked. There's through. so many. I just. Well, the very first year uh, we're in a, in club at night and they're singing and they're laughing and singing crazy songs. But there was a girl off to my right that was standing up. They were all standing, singing and clapping and being silly. But this girl was very tall. Mm -hmm. And I was, I just kept watching her. And she, I wanted to get to know who this girl was. Yeah. So everybody leaves and I'm, I'll, I'll find her in camp, but I never saw her again. And I was frustrated because she would stand out in the crowd. I knew she, what she looked like, but yeah. I never could find her. And they told us, this is year one for us. Uh, she's probably part of the work crew, and she probably works for the the laundry and They're called Tawashis. I go, what in the world is a Tawashi? <laughs> and they clean the toilets and the bathrooms and all that, and you never see them. I said, okay. Well, turns out that's what she was. She was a Tawashi. Mm -hmm. Her name is Stephanie. Mm -hmm. And throughout the week, we we kind of got to know each other. Certainly knew our names, but. Uh, the balloon story happened on that Thursday, and that was just amazing. And she thought that was, she was just 16 years, 17 years old yeah. herself, just a young kid, but she was serving at the camp. She was working there for the whole month. And uh, anyway, we left on Sunday. We said goodbye, and we're never going to see each other again. Right. The following year, we got to go to a camp in Georgia. And on Sunday, you go to leader meeting the first thing you do mm -hmm. with the adult guests and all the leaders that are there is go to a meeting and i'm climbing up the stairs to go to the the first meeting of the first week of this second camp we've been to and i open up the door and who is standing there but stephanie uh -uh. she's a leader and she's scared to death <laughs> 
she sees me and we scream and hug each other and she goes, Oh, I've got to go text my mom. But anyway, that's awesome. That's, that's just a start of how many miracles God has done with us. But, and I mean, she's married now. We stay in touch. Do oh, you really? Oh my gosh. The, the way the world is today with texting and internet, whatever it's, it's just, we can stay connected. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do y'all still keep up with Caitlin's friends? We do. Um, what does that look like? So now do, they're some married and have kids? Caitlin would be 30. Okay. Yeah. And that's, now see, my way, everybody's different. Everybody, right. you know, handles it different. As Robbie said, we're very people person. So in my mind, this is what I had imagined and, and this is what I was going to do with Caitlin. So my personal way was to live and and go through what I'd planned to do with Caitlin with her friends. Mm. So for the junior and senior year, I went to the homecoming pictures. Uh, senior, we hosted the one of the dinners at our house. Um, same thing, we we were at club. We when they designed the t-shirts, they invited us. Aww. I mean, we I di- I did everything, you know, the senior night. Um graduation we snuck in and snuck out because that was hard but um they acknowledged her graduation two years after her death yeah um and no those kids to this day still stay in touch with us and and little things that keep us going is at the time um they they made uh turquoise ribbons in remembrance of her and they, um, I don't know if they still do, but they would do them on the homecoming moms and and different things like that. Yeah. And years later, still somebody will send me a picture and that little turquoise ribbon is pinned to the visor of their car mm. and they'll send me that picture. And, yeah. Um, people send me pictures of purple balloons or, you know, different things. And, and um, but yeah, it's. It's really getting hard now because a lot of our friends, we've been to the weddings and yeah. having babies. And I'm not going to say it's easy. It's very hard. Yeah. But I treasure that Yeah, because they knew Caitlin and yeah. they loved her. So Yeah. I just, I'm, there's, you know, I'm, I'm thinking one year we were at camp, Colorado, I think, and a yellow school bus pulls up. With kids, most of the kids come on chartered buses, right. and a yellow school bus pulls up, and we thought, well, this, you know, the camps in Colorado, they must be from Colorado Springs or Denver or close by, and they had come from Lee Summit, Missouri, in a, in a school bus, in a yellow school <laughs> bus with no air conditioning. That sounds terrible. <laughs> okay, Robbie's sister lives in Lee Summit, Missouri. Well, we had gone up to the top of the mountain to serve lunch, and up at the top of the mountain, the leader goes, you're that man. You're that purple balloon man. No. So she brought all her girls over, and we met them on top of the mountain, the girls from Lee Summit. And then we went, and we I went and shared in their cabin time one night. That's where after you hear the speaker, you go in the cabin and you sit around. And most people sit on the floor crisscross hugging their fella. Uh-huh. And shared with them. And um, I'm still in touch with those girls and gone through their struggles. And one of them wants to be um, 
we call it Capernaum, which is special needs, mm-hmm. uh, Young Life for Special Needs. And I can remember we went to a camp and I was so excited because they shared with me a T-shirt and it had a, a wheelchair on the front and it said, this is how we roll. And I was so proud of that T-shirt. And this little girl from Lee Summit, Missouri on Facebook, whatever goes, oh, I love that. I want to do Capernaum someday. So I took that T-shirt and I put it in a box and I mailed it to Uh her. And that young girl has graduated from college, got her degree in special education, and does Capernaum to this day. That's amazing. I mean... The stories go on yeah. and on and on, and we stay in touch with the people and the kids all over. Yeah. Um, talk about softball and the tournament that happens. The end of February is right before district play starts, and we host a uh, a tournament in Caitlin's memory, the Caitlin Seidel Tournament. Mm-hmm. And the past several years, there's been over 20 teams come in for this tournament. It's a three-day event, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And 20 teams is over 300 girls. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. And no, I don't talk to everyone, but just the exposure of being around those kids and being silly. And I'm up yeah. at the softball field year round all the time. No, you do you manage the field or what do you do? I, t- I take care of the yeah. field. <laughs> if there's a job that needs to be done, I'm going to volunteer for it. That's but great. normally during season, I'm keeping the score, running the scoreboard, mm-hmm. playing music, that kind of stuff. But I'm I'm part of the program. I mean, nobody says, who's that guy? Everybody knows oh, who yeah. I am. Yes. And then during the tournament, uh, it's very taxing on it's all day long from like seven in the morning to nine thirty, ten o'clock at night yeah. three days that's yeah. a lot of goings on and uh but miracles out of that is just incredible really? it was probably year two or three there was a girl from uh, garland that was shortstop she was amazing i mean just a really gifted athlete and I looked at the schedule, and I wanted to come back and watch her play a full full game. So I did, and I came back, and oh, the poor girl, she just struggled so bad. She played awful, <laughs> just awful, and they lost. And after the game, I wanted to go encourage her in some way. And yeah. I'm standing there at the end of the dugout, and the coach is in there yelling at all oh. of them. And she's in there, and she's the last to come out. And she's in there crying. And oh. she sees me standing at the end, and she comes out, what do you want? And I said, well, I just want to talk to you for a minute. Well, what about? And I said, well, I just want to tell you you're an awesome player. And she goes, well, but I played a terrible game. I said, honey, you did have a bad game, but <laughs> – it's it's okay. It's just a game. She goes, no, I'm really struggling. I said, well, you're 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 gonna make it okay. And she yeah. goes, no, I'm really having problems. I said, what do you mean? She goes, my mom just died. No. And I said, oh. I said, see that sign in the outfield? Oh. That's my daughter because she didn't know who I was. So we hugged and we bonded. Oh, another God story. And. I can go stories all the time. But these are all God stories. I know. See, that's that. You know, and we know that. We know that God has used us and will continue to use us. And and he blesses us. And he has us where he wants us to be. And, you know, we surely don't take credit for any of this at all. Yeah. Is that. um, And and it, it helps because it's like, okay, 
you know, there was there was a purpose. There is a blessing yeah. out of out of the ashes. Yeah. You know, there's a blessing that continues on and on. Yeah. And Caitlin died from sudden cardiac arrest, which is a heart condition. And another voice of us or platform is to get high school athletic kids tested. Yeah. And it's an uphill battle, but we know we at J.J. Pierce High School, we've changed the life of four families for sure. Wow. That they thought the kids that they were experiencing their difficulties heart-wise thought that was normal. And after Caitlin's story, they realized maybe we should get tested or figure it out. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, and that's all that we know about. So many, nobody wants to declare my kid's defective or got a problem. Right, so, right. But there's been God blessings on that as well, the awareness of yeah. this can happen to anybody. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's one of the, we're out there all the time. And originally, people don't know what what we're about or what why are we there, and then they realize you know we've lost a child, but we're we're trying to make a difference, and yeah. we talk to parents how frustrating it is to be parents of teenagers, and yeah, I'm able to talk to those parents' kids. I'm really saying the same thing, but I'm a different voice, or we are a different voice, yeah, and they'll listen to us. Just because we're not their parents. Exactly. We were saying the same thing exactly. that parents would say, but, you know, that's yeah. what a privilege. Y'all have a lot of opportunity to talk with parents who have lost children, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What What do you, what are kind of the main ways that you support them? Um, well, I found a group that was supportive to me when we first, well, we both went, and it was just, it was supportive in the way that um, you are forever ostracized mm. from people with living kids because people almost treat it like, well, if it could happen to you, it could happen to mine. Mm. Um, so in sharing with them that things that happen are normal, they're not always good, but they're normal, mm. and however you get through it is okay as long as you're not harming yourself or other people. Yeah. Um, it's just a unique place that no one understands unless they've been there. Right. Um, I called it, uh, I called it a lesson in humanity. Um, I know, you know, we went to counseling right after. And I can remember when I would see people in the community and they'd go, oh, you have no idea how many people are praying for you. And in my mind, I'm going, where are they? Because I felt very alone. And to yeah. this day, we still meet people that know of us because they were praying right. for us. Right. Um, but my counselor said, well, you're going to have to go out and get what you need. And I'm like, excuse me, I'm the one that lost the daughter. Why do I have to go out? And he said, because, you know, really, we're really not trained on the, you know, nowadays people aren't. Families don't grow up in the same house. You know, used to be grandma and grandpa lived in the house with family, whatever. But um, so having a 16-year-old daughter, at the time they do the T-shirts and they do the iron-on letters and all this stuff. And and the number one thing I heard from people was, well, I didn't know what to say. I know, yeah. And so I got a purple T-shirt and I ironed the words on. 
if you don't know what to say, just hug me. And I put it on and we continued going to the football games and the softball games. And it's kind of like an education to the public. Yes. There is nothing you can say. Yes. There is nothing you can say or do, but you need to still reach out and show that you care. Because avoiding you. I actually had a neighbor come around the end of the grocery aisle and did a U-turn and went the other way. I mean, talk about hurt. Yeah. Because people don't know. There is nothing. But just, a, you know, and we teach this other, you know, just reach out and touch my arm. Just reach out and touch my arm. That's all you have to do. That means you you see I'm hurting. You can't make it stop. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to make you cry. I'm going to cry. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I don't want to yeah. say her name because it will, you know, bring back memories. Like I would ever forget her. I mean, the greatest thing you can do to somebody that's lost a child is to say their name. Yeah. What you remember, if you didn't remember what you've heard, to keep that child's memory alive. I, I'd say a, a parent's worst nightmare is to lose a child. Yeah. A grieving parent's worst nightmare is that that child would be forgotten. Nobody wants your child forgotten. And she won't. No. Before we started recording, Robbie turned to me and asked, so do you want the focus of our talk to be about losing our daughter? And what I realize now is that yes, their story includes Caitlin's death. But I would say this story is better described as a story of life. Because through Caitlin's death, God has brought life to so, so many. After I turned the recording device off, we sat there for another hour and I listened to story after story about what God has done through Robbie and Carell's opportunities to share with kids and adults. I mean, their life's purpose is to be used by God, that God would speak through them, that people would come to know Jesus through their life, through their story. That is their life's purpose. And let me tell you, the list is long and the stories are beautiful of people coming to know Jesus because Robbie and Carell have shown up and shared their story. And I keep thinking about what you said, Carell, when you talked about you just never wanted Caitlin to be forgotten. And I believe she will never be forgotten, for her name is in eternity. And only God knows how many names are written in eternity because they heard about Caitlin. And they heard about the Savior that she believed in, that she followed. They heard about her Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross so that we would have life. That only God can do that. Only God can take death and turn it into life. I hope you found something that you can relate to from today's conversation. And thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or just want more tips for parents, let me know at ilassiter at fbrichardson.org. I'd love to talk with you. See you next time on the Four Parents Podcast.